Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hello and thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sports show. On today's episode, myself and Simon were joined by Martin O'Neill as we look back at West Ham's European adventure and ahead to the relegation battle in the Premier League this weekend. Plus, I sat down to speak to NFL legend JJ Watt following his investment into Burnley. In Europe last night, West Ham United looking to get to a European final, but they might have a bit to go yet because Altmar, as Dick Advocat said yesterday to us, technically good, nobody's pushover. Yeah. No, and neither should they be in the semi-final of a European tournament. So it's not a given that West Ham were going to roll them over. Um, they go into it with a lead, a slender lead, but I think David Moyes has got the capability and the wherewithal on the nous to be able to navigate what will become a very difficult fixture because the owner switches to the other side who are playing at home. They've got to chase a, um, uh, uh, you know, a, a loss away to West Ham. So I still think West Ham will come through it, but I think it will come with some bumps and twists. I hope so. Mark, we'll speak about this in a second. David Moyes was interesting post-match. He knows what they've got to do, obviously. So they'll take a 2-1 slender lead to the Europa Conference League semi-final second leg against uh, AZ Altmar. But David knows what lies ahead. I think the tie's very evenly balanced. Very little in the game. You know, if it was the other way around, if we were if we were losing by a goal, well, I wouldn't be in here saying that we were out of the tie and I wouldn't think uh, AZ would be saying that either. I think the, the game's very tightly balanced. I didn't think we gave up too many opportunities tonight, even though we, we conceded a goal. But it was probably our, our play in the, in the higher areas of the pitch, which we didn't do well enough create to give ourselves a chance uh, to probably maybe get further in front. You've been in these situations countless times, Martin. It becomes a bit of a chess match, doesn't it? How can we how can we look at plotting their downfall? What can we do that they don't do as well as us? I mean it's a slender two one lead. It could go either way. Yeah, it could. But the very the first thing that you look at, if you don't concede a goal, you're through in the competition. Yeah. Uh, that's that's number one. 
it's not just as easy as that there, but that's something that they'd be looking at, just really stay, uh, stay as strong defensively as possible. But there, as Simon mentioned, there'll be twists and turns in this. You know, Altmar, um, um, I didn't, I saw um, major highlights of the game last night, but um, so I can't, uh, I can't uh, actually turn around and say to you that they are just a, a fantastic side and, and be at home. But sure, I sure. think there's about 20,000 people, I think, um, will, and sometimes when you get a little more compact ground, then it can be a wee bit more intimidating. You know, the 20,000 make as much noise as perhaps maybe 50,000 would do. But overall, it's listen, they're in the semi-final. As you say, it's, it's, uh, it might even be the bounce of the ball. But having come from behind last night, they'll have got, West Ham, I'm talking about, will have gone in with... They'll, they'll go into the game with plenty, yeah. of, plenty of confidence. Yeah, and Martin, I said in the introduction, if he secures them their first trophy since 19, uh, 1980, their first in Europe since sixty five. Does David suddenly move into manager of the year territory? Is that too much? If they stay with some degree of respectability in the Premier League but win in Europe, what do you think? Well, when I was in this programme before, Jim, I'd, I said that I, I I don't hold a phenomenal store about this competition, you know, seriously. Seriously, uh, even yet? Not at all, no. And I mean, it's great for the fans and it's fantastic and, uh, 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 you know, and to, to go away from home uh, to... To, tra- to travel to Europe, for instance, you know, supporting your team is really good news. But I don't have... But, but that said, you're in the semi-final now. Let's let go and try and win it. And it is a competition. You know, I saw Roma last year. They won it. They celebrated it as if it was their third consecutive European Cup final. <laughs> you know, so go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. the fans will love it. And it is a European competition. So, yes, if you go and win that competition and you stay in the division, which West Ham are going to do, it's, it's turning out not a bad season at all. I mean, you're, you're dismissive of it, aren't you? With all due respect, Martin. I mean, West Ham fans will be like, no, we, we take this seriously. I, we want to win. It is my view. It is my view. My view was that it was... Um, is it slight snobbery? Was, no, you first... you, you when, when you set out in football, you obviously try and win some competitions. If you fall short of competitions and it gets you into European football, that's terrific. But just don't drop down the ladder to get into them, you know, and don't... UEFA have just invented another competition. And this is my view. I, I said rather sarcastically the last time, if you avoid relegation, you could be in Europe next year. You know, <laughs> So it isn't. But now that it's here, go on and win it. It yeah. is absolutely... Well, you'd be and lapping is, it up if you were taking a club into the, the final of the Europa Conference Well, League. if you are, you absolutely. If go, you are, but you're, go, you're not saying no, you definitely sorry, would be. No, go and win the competition. Go and do that there. And it is a European competition and it's, uh, it's been approved Careful, by UEFA. Martin. Because that's exactly what I said, and I've got a whole raft of West Ham fans saying what an outrageously unfair opinion, and how dare I have that view? Because you and I have the exact same view. Yeah. view. It's a third tiered competition. It is. And, and, but if you're in it, you go and win it. Absolutely. But you can't ask independent, neutral observers to turn around and say, oh, well, what, a, what a wonderful tournament that mm. is. It's another manufactured tournament. What's great about it, if West Ham win it, is it gives them a gateway into the Europa League, mm-hmm. and we can see that. But if you're asking neutral observers to turn around and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got a European Cup winner over there. Yeah, but it changes the fortunes of David Moyes, which you believe to be the case. And that, well, if they I, win I, it. I believe it makes a, a more compelling argument for David to get out from underneath the argument that he's not been a particularly successful season in the league. Now, of course, David's experience and the group of players have gotten into a better position in the league, but we cannot argue with the fact that if West Ham fans isolated their league performances and said... And we've had it on here many times, even Martin Keown's railed against West Ham fans saying stop being so negative, that West Ham fans have said that the European campaigns have plastered over the cracks of the domestic situation. So you can't have one argument for one set of conversations and another argument for the other just because you want to advance a point that makes you look stronger in it. West Ham 
finishing in the league the way they do and winning this European competition will plaster over some of the underachievements in the yeah, league. Right, right. Which I wasn't is, there which la- is what they wanted to they want to okay. be they want to be strong in their own domestic league, don't they? I wasn't there mm. last night, Martin. I was there on Sunday night to watch West Ham beat Manchester United by a single goal to nil. I mean, you spoke about Declan Rice the last time after failing to coerce Declan to to continue to play for the Republic of Ireland. Did you ever envisage him potentially becoming a 120 million pound player? Uh, I think it was Jordan that used that word coerce. Yeah, so uh, oh, um, oh, yeah, really it was Jordan. Coerce. Yes, it was. I think it was him. You know, I right. swayed, I persuade. It's the talk him into. Uh, talk him into. Um, shall I reiterate? Declan Rice wanted to play for England. It's really as simple as that. He wanted to play for England, and it hasn't been. Was a that bad after he played for you? It hasn't been a bad shout. <laughs> Um, yeah, you should have said because he was played for England, no, but that is not true. I played. He played three international games for us. Obviously, all friendly matches, and he was a yeah. young kid. He yeah. wasn't even right. properly in the West Ham team at the time. Yeah, and but uh, any coercion didn't work. That's no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. He's gone to play for England, yeah. and look, 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 look what has happened to him since that. Yeah. He's, he's gone on to, uh, from strength to strength. Did I ever think that um, uh, supposedly a defensive midfield player would be worth 120 million pounds? No, not really. You know, uh, uh, I suppose I would probably be thinking that. If you want to spend a hundred million pounds on someone, I'm talking about maybe in the last eighteen months, then perhaps maybe a twenty-five goal uh, a season centre forward is something that would be in your remit. But however, that said, if that's the going price and that and teams are prepared to pay that for a very, very, very good midfield player as he is, yeah, you know, um, well, get on with it then. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation, outspoken with White and Jordan. Leeds. A very much a case in point, Martin. I mean, at the moment, at the moment, they're firefighting, mm. and in comes Big Sam, and of course, they know what they've got to do. They they've got uh, Newcastle coming up next. That's fast on the horizon. It's live in Talk Sport uh, tomorrow, but three points separate mm. Leeds in nineteenth to Forest in sixteenth. Um, in comes Sam, as I said, Martin. Uh, what wins out in a relegation battle such as this? Experienced mouse, if you like, in the dugout, defensive solidity, or, or purely who copes best in the situation? Well, I'm not so sure that there's just uh, one particular thing that uh, that um, that will be sufficient to keep you up. I think it's a combination of a number of things. Obviously, Leeds United haven't very many points in the board. Um, I think that Sam's first game, I thought it was like if there's such a thing with only four games left, a sort of a free hit. It was against Manchester City and in fact they come out of it not too badly. Not too bad, Because yeah. goal difference might have made up, uh, you know, Manchester City could have been out of sight uh, by half time in the game. So from that viewpoint, that's fine. So you're sitting there with three games left. So what do you do? So there is, yeah, there's no question about it that there's, uh, there's uh, anxiety around Ellen Road. You know, they were in this position that last year they got out of it just at the very, very end and and it seemed like deja vu. So suddenly now, there are three games left, what what can he do? Well, I think his first, his first weekend he'll be trying to get to know the players as much as possible. Even after four games, I'm not so sure that you'll ever really know the players as much as you would do over a whole season. Yeah. However, that's beside the point. You have to. You have to now. So... You've got to be the one thing that you think that Sam will try and bring into it is he'll try and uh, improve them defensively because they just ship goals for fun, mm. and and they're not they suppose they're not getting enough at the other end to compensate. So that's a, a major major problem for them. But they've the three games left. 
I think Sam mentioned something about this is a not uh, a not lose game. So that, it means that's right. if it's a not lose game, just let's say it is a draw again. So you're still only there with 31 points in the board with two games left. It might actually be a case of having to win this game against Newcastle. That will be extremely difficult, the way Newcastle are playing. However, you've got to... But it's a change of mindset as much as anything else. And within those games, I think that you can have that sort of... Uh, that sort of um, positivity about yes. yourself because yeah. you have you are divorcing yourself from what has happened for the other you know previous thirty four games or whatever it is. So now you're in here, and I think that um, well, go for it. Go for it. I mean, we'll hear from Sam in a second, but Simon, the word fear comes into this, and Sam's using it. He says the fear needs to drive them on. The fear of relegation, the fear of losing their Premier League status, should make them hopefully fight and fight hard for that status. Fear, fear, fear. Can you use it to your advantage, Simon? Fear, as long as it doesn't paralyze you. I mean, there's this whole expression, is it? Which would you rather have, respect or fear? Sometimes fear because it lasts longer. But in this moment in time, you've got a scenario where you've got to get results in the moment. So if fear is going to be the tool that Sam, and, you know, he's been in this situation before. Last time out against West Bromwich Albion, whatever fear he engendered in West Bromwich Albion players didn't manifest itself in an outcome. But in previous incarnations, I, I would have thought that, that, that getting players to believe in themselves and getting players to be more resolute has more uh, about it than fear, but I'm not going to argue with him. They've got to go and be incredibly strong and brave and resolute and determined and full of resilience mm. and take opportunities when their moment comes. I don't feel that they're going to get very much out of Newcastle. Um, and it comes down to the West Ham and Tottenham games. And even then, I'm not sure, given the results on the weekend, sorry, on the on specifically Monday, where you've got Everton have pulled out this remarkable result, which then puts them in a situation where they look like they've got the opportunity to climb out of it. Um, and Nottingham Forest the same. You look at their games and you think to yourself, this is going to be a, a very, you know, you don't know what Tottenham are playing for. We don't know what frame of mind West Ham are going to be in. Um, um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, Leeds' opportunity, uh, Leeds' opportunity, and we know what Newcastle are perfectly capable of at this moment in time. Yes. Yeah. So with all those things in mind, yeah, it looks like <sighs> Leeds can put out whatever they want. They can put out inherent belief. They can put fear. They can do whatever they want. They probably need a witch doctor in the dressing room. It's probably too late yeah. now. You ever used fear, Martin? You ever stood in a dressing room saying to the players, "Be aware of the implication here if you lose." Oh, I think so. You yes, know, I just be I fearful of it. Of of course you do. Yes, I think that uh, I think fear does play a, a part in proceedings. But it 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 comes into it comes more into focus towards the end of the season. Really, when you actually finally get to understand what position you're in. I'm talking really about relegation battles. And I think this is the point. I think, for instance, you know, Le- Leicester City have uh, have I for one minute did not think that they would go down. It's not not this business about you're too good to go down, but I genuinely thought they had enough, uh, really. But now suddenly they lose the game. They didn't, by all accounts, again, I only saw the, the, the highlights, by all accounts, didn't show a great deal of spark in the game against Fulham. That's that's dangerous coming towards the end of the season. Yeah. You've got to be fighting for absolutely everything. Yeah. Everything. And if you haven't thrown your... your, um, your body in front of a ball for 34 games before that sorry mate you've got to have to do it this time you know so that's a dangerous situation yeah. it's defi- I mean I think the one thing that this, to go to his old club that they are playing with is a great deal of fear if you look at Leicester's performance against Everton they look bleeding terrified mm. at certain stages of the game so it's whether fear can be used as a catalyzer. let's be honest let's be clear about this that fear 
These players are very adept at knowing that the moment that bus leaves the station and goes to the championship, they'll be on a different bus if they get an opportunity to go somewhere else and not be culpable or responsible for it. So it's about engendering, I would imagine, and not having been in this situation, a galvanised collective spirit where we are going to go forward and do the very best we can because we have pride, determination and a degree of professional acumen and responsibility. And what Sam should be engendering in him is an all-for-one one for all mentality, which yes. is basically let's yeah. go, let's go, whatever it takes, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, Martin, you mentioned Leicester, and I was going to get to it, but you've taken us to it right now. Um, incidentally, you ever heard from them? Did they ever ask you to go back? Uh, no, no, okay. But they've gone. The heads seem to have gone, don't they? The heads are down. Simon suggests that some of the top players, uh, Telemans will certainly be out there. Vardy, pro- uh, not Vardy, Madison probably as well. So they're mm. not going to hang around if they drop. Yeah, but that, uh, <clears throat> I suppose is, that, yeah. I, so I think, why are they going to fear <clears throat> <okay>. relegation? <clears throat> Excuse me. I th- from, I th- from their point of view. Sorry. I think you can draw an awful lot of um, uh, conclusions and that might not actually be based in fact. Not every single player that might want out of a football club is necessarily going to just down tools. That's not the case. They've got to have something about themselves, you know, to, to, to go and fight. From On the face of it, it looks that way. I think that I think the players were booed off the pitch down at, at Craven Cottage. Mm. That doesn't help a great deal. Sorry, that doesn't help. And that just shows you what the fans are thinking about. But sometimes that's you know you can you can over exaggerate something just for the sake of it because it just seems to fit the narrative. What I'm saying to you is that the players. I didn't think that they would go down, and I'm quite sure that those Leicester City players didn't think they were going down. But you can live on reputations for uh, for a long, long time. Or sorry, you but think you can. It's not about downing tours, Martin. Yeah. That wasn't the point I was making. It was about the reality. Once it's gone, they won't be the recipients of the consequences. So when you're trying to engender this culture of fear, look what you're looking at. You're looking at the abyss, mm. right? You're not looking at the abyss, and no one's suggesting they down tools. Mm. People are suggesting that actually, when it comes to the the consequences, when you're putting fear into somebody, mm. it's because there's a consequence. Yeah. If that consequence isn't to be visited on the people that mm. actually were the participants in it, then where's the fear value? That's okay. my point. Well, so you mentioned not downing tools, but by the same token, you did say that they'll be on another bus leaving. Correct. Well, it, you know, uh, almost by definition, you could say that that's really like down, downing tools or or not caring as much about losing no, a game a response, as you would do. It's a response to the idea that fear concentrates the mind. We're debating the tactic of fear. Be fearful of something. What is it you're going to be fearful of? If the consequence is yours, mm. right, then there's something to be fearful of. But if the consequence is not yours and you're going to be out the door anyway, mm. then that fear tactic is not going to work. You need another tactic, which is professional pride or galvanised spirit or collective responsibility or whatever else it is that you need to get. But fear ain't going to do it because you've got nothing to be fearful of. I agree with that. I didn't mention fear in terms of, of, of Leicester City. I, what I'm saying is that I'm talking about a pride, a pride in the, th- the fact that, that you have belonged to a football club that only in, what, six or seven years ago were Did Premier League champions. The other day? What Madison said the other day, he talked about the lack of hunger yeah. and then it got clipped and cropped like yeah. it often does in the media, yeah. right, and then turned into something else. And he came back and explained it by saying, mm. "I didn't. <clears throat> that's wrong, why do people do this? I didn't mean a lack of hunger, mm. I meant we weren't winning our jewels, we weren't w- winning our individual battles. Mm. But isn't that by definition mm. a lack of hunger? Yeah, yes. so the media were right to do it. To some extent, Madison yeah. Quote. Of course they were. Mm. He's not going to care if Leicester go down, will he? I, I, I'm sure he will care. He's out, he'll be out the, of there. Well, I, of course. Yeah, of, of course he'll he be. He could look forward to yeah. Champions League. Well, it's getting back to mind. Simon's point. But what, what I'm saying to you is that there is 
Simon's right in the fact that fear is not going to be it's not going to work for for Leicester City considering the number of players that probably would leave. So you have to find something else, yeah. and it is that pride, yes. and that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this side. You know, you've been involved in a football club. You know, has got a bit of history, recent history there, yeah. fantastic history. Nearly nearly got into the Champions League for a couple of years, and now suddenly just all of that there is disappearing. You've got to have some pride for it. I don't care. I don't care whether you're leaving in the next bus in June time. You've got to know, and you've got to have to fight for it here. And that fight didn't seem to be apparent at Craven Cottage. Yeah, we spoke on Wednesday, Martin, and we were asking the question. Simon and I were debating this: Did Brendan Rodgers get out at just the right time? Now it was by mutual consent. Do you think? Yep, time to go. And it suited Brendan to go at that stage. No, I don't think because that. maybe you could see where it was coming further down the line. No, I don't think that at all. I think that I don't think that the manager starting to think about oh, this is a time to get out now because I can see what's happening in the future. Your job is to try and fix it when you're there, and I I I I don't take that argument at all. I don't know Brendan that well, but I would be really surprised if he thought that this was going to be the answer. I'll I'll get out at this stage. No. Simon, you've had some strong words for for Brendan, especially towards the tail end of what was going on at Leicester with yeah. him in charge? I mean, first and foremost, I come from the position of liking Brendan Rodgers, both personally and professionally. So I come from that position. Right. So when I move the dial across to a situation where I start to think the person is entirely complicit and not having the stomach for the for the outcome, which is what, what I think Rodgers was, just go back to second for Vardy. Vardy, I'll take this from, because Vardy had opportunities to leave Leicester City to go to arguably bigger football clubs like Arsenal and stayed at Leicester City because he felt his future was better at Leicester. So he will be feeling... Mm the pain, the lack of pride and the, uh, the ultimate embarrassment and all the things that the Leicester fans will be feeling, he'll be feeling, so I'll take Absolutely. it from him. I won't take it from Tielemans and other people in that dressing yeah. room that don't care. Right? They'll care to a certain point, but they'll be off. But going to the Brendan Rodgers situation, I believe that Brendan Rodgers started a fire of discontent and malcontent and lack of performance after the Nottingham Forest FA Cup loss when Leicester were the cup holders and he set it on fire saying there's people in this dressing room that don't want to be here and I need to change it and get rid of it and break it up and do mm. it, right? But he became like the Henry Kissinger, as I say, of, of, of football management, never answering a question, never saying of anything, anything of any meaning. And I'm not suggesting that the media should be judged during an executioner, but notwithstanding it, you get a window into the soul of a person when you see Brendan dancing around, not saying anything of substance. And when he's talking about specific football matters, I thought he was weak and flaky, and I think he engineered an opportunity to say, I think we've reached the end of the road. And I think it will perfectly well suit, suit, suit Brendan Rodgers to be out of this mess rather than fighting to, to, to resolve it. I, I actually, think he was in fact part of the problem. Actually spoke with Brendan, I spoke with Brendan yesterday and he said come the end of the season he will join us and he will speak to us. And we'll have that conversation with him. And, we'll have, and, and I know you so well you will not flinch one bit no, no, uh, when you I? put those points uh, to him. I'll be corrected or, 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 or correct. Well, precisely right. So I, just getting back to the point Sam, that you make there so what you're saying is that if someone's not, not up for the fight here yeah. that you'll decide, oh, listen here, maybe it's the best thing to do. Maybe have a conversation with yeah. uh, with your owner yeah. and say, listen, time it's to leave. Listen, it's, the situation right. is not, I'm not, I'm not the solution to this problem. Mm. I, in, part, in part, might be the problem for it. Maybe it's useful that we look at these things. If I'm a manager and I'm fighting my corner, then I'm fighting my corner. I've got no indication or feel from Brendan Rodgers. Okay, it's a bit remote. Of course, mm. it's quite remote. But you're listening and you're watching, you're judging people and you're seeing and thinking, I'm thinking, he's going he's gonna to engineer a situation here. And my view as a former owner and a, a moderately educated viewers, I'm watching him play the angles and I'm thinking, you don't fancy this. Mm. You don't fancy this. You're not going to be seen to throw a towel in because like a boxer throwing a towel in, you'll be forever judged on that. Mm. But you're engineering this. You're not quite up for this. You don't fancy this as much as you should do. 
And that's what I think happened do, at Leicester. Martin, do managers do that? Do they engineer a situation? Well, you you would nearly say that Conte probably did in many Perfect aspects. Point. Absolutely. Point. You know, Conte decided that. And what I, I've, I've actually talked to quite a number of Tottenham fans, if you could say ten in the last uh, in the last day, that might be a lot. <laughs> ten. Well, oh, it's only because it happened to be at a. a what you had them round the house or something? I had. A, a, I was at a particular function where there were a number of Tottenham okay. fans asking the question, and every one of them seemed to be pro Conte, as if to say he's been talking. What he's saying is absolutely right. Now, what he's saying might be right. Maybe the players weren't up for a fight. But they, he certainly engineered a situation there where he thought, I'm not going to be doing this anymore. So Simon's point I'm is right. Big, so Simon's, in, in, in that instance, so that's why I brought it up, actually, to back him up in this one. But if you're asking me, would I want to lose a job? I'm, I'm not up for the fight. And I think this is the easy sort of way out. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I, that, that wouldn't be my viewpoint. And I would be... I'm. Up until I saw Conti's interview, I would have been surprised that that's how managers felt. Do you think it was cowardly by Conti? I thought I've, I've, he w- w- right. Okay, so is it is not part of his job to improve those players Hallelujah. to make them to make them really good players to make them to 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 bring them out of this uh, what problem problem big problem. He knew he. I I think that I think that he. When he came into the football club, did he not say, and I'm stand corrected in this here, he mentioned a, uh, a young particular player that uh, they, they had bought. He said, well, I, di- I didn't sign him. Can you imagine what the young player's thinking about? Who's the, was it the little... The, was it Sethnion or was it John Spence? No, no, Spence, I yeah. think. Spence. You know, yeah. I think, I, I think, can you imagine what Spence is feeling like? You know, just arrived at a football club and feeling the manager said, well, I, I didn't sign you, you know. So yeah, that it doesn't, was a club sign. However, right, you know, so getting back to this point, Conde was being paid a lot of money, a lot of money at the end of the day. I'm not saying that that's that 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 you know that regardless of what you're being paid, if you're the manager of the football club, your job is still to improve players, yeah. to to pull them out of this here. And if you have the reputation that he had, you know, by by being a serial winner, well, don't down tools then. Sure, absolutely. You're don't. the, you're you're the kind of guy that if your club is having problems if your side's being beaten and is seriously being asked big questions of you're in the front line with them as manager you are in that front line with them well you can say what you want to the players in the dressing room and what he said what he said publicly should have been said should have been said in the dressing room to the players if the players are able to take it fine if they're not able to take it that's another issue but don't please do not become a uh, I just heard publicly you say dress the players in down agreement with Martin. Well, yes, because they have they, they have no chance of fighting for you uh, when uh, when the chips are really down. Because he's right. Because everyone gives Conti a pass. Because the one person they want to blame, and it's not me defending him, is Levy. Right? It's an easy target. But what about Conti? What about what he did? Yeah. Put aside the money because it's an easy argument. It'd be worth the money. Yeah. But you spent sixteen months creating a culture that you now vilify. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Download, stand well back. Listen, Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Of course, it wouldn't be right if we didn't talk Nottingham Forest with Martin in town and we're going to do that right now. Um, they won the other night. Forest did so well. What an atmosphere it was and they managed to win a 4-3 thriller against Southampton. Next up, Chelsea. So Steve Cooper, the man for the job right now. We'll get to Martin in a second. But Steve was asked why his side have been so different from performances at home and results at home compared to away. To be fair, I would have taken playing not as well as what we did and, and getting a point or, or a win because um, so, it's the most important thing. But at the same time, you, you do have to look a bit deeper than the results sometimes and and say, actually, you know, the last couple of away games we have performed well and um, we've got to try and repeat that with the obvious um, addition of, of getting something out of the game. And like I said, the real determination for that to happen, you know, players are not shying away from, or and I certainly not shying away from, that we, we have fallen short in terms of the points away from home but the good thing is we still have an opportunity with two games left to finish off well so um, let's let's commit everything to trying to do that So they're going to go for it Martin Do you see them getting anything at Chelsea at this particular time? I think that's a difficult fixture and all, all fixtures are difficult but if you're down at the bottom of the league then any game is difficult whether it's home or away their away record is particularly dismal I must admit throughout the whole season but they have picked up six points from the last three games so they've won, and I think going into that, you know, okay, they did a setback losing late goals against Brentford, but they, they beat Brighton uh, coming from a goal behind at the city ground, and they won there on Monday night against Southampton. And I think, and I, I even said this to Steve Cooper at, um, in just a post-match interview, I think taking everything into consideration before you kicked off against Brighton, if someone was to give you six points from the three games, I think you would have bitten your hand off, uh, their hand off. Yes, and that's yeah. exactly right. So they have they got themselves into, they've got thirty three points on the board. Not a great goal difference, obviously. Which uh, uh, had they not taken all three points, that might have been uh, going into consideration. But now you're looking at there. They've got they've got these games coming up now. The one thing that the victory will do on Monday night will give you a surge of confidence to go into these games. Chelsea, of course, in the um, having the poor season that we talked about, yeah. but Chelsea have still some really decent players playing, and it's up to them to galvanise themselves at Stamford Bridge. Martin, it might be a bit unfair to ask it, but I'll ask it. What would hurt you more, 
Forest going that's down. That's unfair. Or, you should not be asking me that question now. But Forest well, I'll tell going you down or <coughs> Leicester going down? <coughs> well, two different things. Well, I was money. You said uh, Nottingham Forest really close to my heart. Well, you know, I I I was there for nineteen games as a manager. You know, so and the manager, so no, the owner, so the owner, so the owner, so the owner who bombed me out is, is still there. So I, you know, maybe it's not as close to my heart as you would, might want to think. I had fun. Well, have you got off them because no, of no, that just, experience? Well, would be a minute? Sorry, but I, don't go, don't go off the club. We well, certainly go off somebody who's running the football club. I must admit. So you'd so, like to see Maranakis drop Just then. let me finish, Jim. Just a second for a start. I had, I had ten fantastic. Sorry, I I I fought through the first five years of my playing career, and then Brian Clough arrived at the football club, and then we had a surge of brilliance for five years, of the likes of which will probably never be seen again. So that was absolutely fantastic. So Nottingham Forest was my club. You ask John Robertson, it's his club. You ask Viv Anderson, it's his club. Yeah. And uh, so. I go back to manage. I, if you'd said to me, I'm going to get 19 games, the last three of which we won, I, I well, I wouldn't have bothered, you know. So that's the, that's you're, the you're problem. You're still seething about that, aren't you? Well, I'm not happy about it, to tell you the truth. I, I don't think you would be either, if that's... Yeah, so you, you so anyway, it doesn't I, I would, matter. Would, Nottingham would, Forest as a football club Mananakis. will always remain a part of me, if, if that's the case. Have, would Clough, All right, okay. would Clough have coped with Maranakis? Would he have coped with Maranakis? <laughs> Well, believe it or not, you might have found it a wee bit more difficult. Then Brian Clough would cope with anything, as I've often said here to Simon. So he would have coped with today's. He would have reeled against certain things, but eventually he would have, you know, he would have found a way because he was a genius. So he would have found a way to do it. Maybe I just didn't find that way. Maybe I should, maybe I should have won a couple of more games at the end of the day. That 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 always does help. Although we did win so the last three. So to my original Sorry. question, yeah, go on. What, so not, what well, scenario so, would hurt you more? Leicester well, dropping or Forest dropping? And I said to you, I've already tried to explain to you exactly where I stood here in this situation. I, I, Leicester City, I'm, I manage. I love the football club. I had a really difficult time when I opened up, but when I, I went there first, couldn't win a game to save my life and crowd baying for blood. And by the time I left, I was actually pretty popular manager with the crowd. And I loved my time there. And I would not have left Leicester for any other club, believe it or not other than Celtic at the time. So I love Leicester City. And in fairness, I do love Forest. Southampton are going down. Somebody else is going to go down with them. So, and it might not be any of the two of them. Yeah, I love that when you say that about Celtic because I know, coming from that part of the mm -hmm. world, yeah. I know exactly what it means to Celtic fans to hear you say that. Yeah. And I love you for that. You mm -hmm. wouldn't shed a tear, though, if Maranakis drops down you know, to the championship. You would not shed a tear if he's looking at relegation, if he's in the championship next season. Well, I'm glad you're speaking for me here, Jim. So uh, it's rhetorical. I know it yeah, sounds yeah, a bit yeah, rhetorical, but... Well, well, um, well, let's keep it rhetorical you? then. All right, okay. Would you? Let's keep it rhetorical. All right, okay. we'll keep it rhetorical. Mm -hmm. I think we get... <laughs> He's giggling like a school kid in the corner. Uh, no, I mean, sure. I, I think it's quite... It, it, it is an interesting one for, for Martin because there's jeopardy yeah. in both. Yeah. Um, he, he has his feelings for Leicester. I totally get where you're coming from. You're a proud man, Martin. And what happened to you when you were managing Forrest, I can imagine, still hurts to this day. Well, because it is, uh, it is your. You, listen, everybody who plays for uh, for a football club always thinks it's your club. It's their club. Yeah. And we think the same. It's their club, and it's their club. And particularly if you have had some success, and we had great success at the football, then it becomes part of your club. So I, I see Viv Anderson at times. I see Tony Woodcock quite regularly, and I see John, and I see um, Ian Boyer. 
So we were all there at the football club when Brian Clough arrived. And if you had said that us five would go on to get the sort of success, you know, you would have, you know, you would have uh, looked at some sort of loony bin, I think, first of all. But anyway, more to the point. So is your club in that mm. sense? Mm. But I'd say things change like everything else. There's a new set. There's a new set of fans have come up and. Some people, while it's part of your history, it is a long time yes, ago. Yes. So when there are new fans, there's a new breed of fans now that don't probably really want to talk about sure. what happened in the past. I get that completely. And we were talking there earlier about at Leicester, Tillemans and Madison. If Leicester dropped down, they're out of there. So how much are they bothered? Am I right in thinking that Forrest dropped down and Roy Keane left for Manchester United? Yeah, but we're, we're we're making mad assumptions here at the end of the day of how people feel. You know, it, it 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 might be hurting Madison more than you think. It might be doing all of these things. I don't know this. I don't know. And if Leicester City galvanise themselves and get the points in the board, uh, <clears throat> you know, we we'll, we're we'll talking about a fantastic escape. So at the end of the day, some, sometimes that we do make we mm. do make yeah, <clears throat> sure. we rush to judgment on certain people. That's a fair point. I mean, did Roy ever say to you how he felt? When Forrest dropped and he went to Man U, yeah, he was naturally very, very disappointed. But I think that I think had Forrest even stayed up, um, I think it was it was probably time for him to move on anyway at that that stage. But no, yeah, of course, I don't think that Roy Keane would have uh, okay. would have done anything else but be hurt by by being relegated. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation, outspoken with White and Jordan. It's Friday morning. It's Jim and Simon and Martin O'Neill's alongside us. We've been talking about the Americans coming into the game here in England, of course, most notably. Uh, the big two, the big well-known Hollywood stars, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. Not so much uh, English football, but at Wrexham. And Wrexham, of course, proud Welsh club, but play, of course, um, in, in, in the English league system and now have qualified as National League champions to get into the big time, if you like, where they once were. So this American influence, it, it, it's here, there, and it's everywhere, actually. We spoke about Todd Bowley at Chelsea. There are others. LeBron James, of course, has invested in uh, Liverpool. But more late, of course, we've seen the NFL legend and now Burnley investor J.J. Watt do exactly that. He's put some money, probably no doubt considerable amount of money, into newly promoted Burnley, who will play next season in the Premier League under Vincent Company. And I've had a quick chat with J.J. Watt. He was outstanding. I first off asked him, OK, J.J. Watt, you've invested in Burnley. So why Burnley? Why not Burnley, Jim? Why not? I think there's, you know, there's so many things about it that I love. I think the fact that it's been around for 140 years since 1882 is incredible. The history, the tradition. Um, it's a very hardworking town. Uh, people who love their club and they're very generous, very kind. And then Alan Pace has a great vision for the club, and he's shown that with the new five-year contract for Vincent Company. Uh, and the club is playing some great football, and it's it's a perfect time to be a cleric. Do you want to give me a rough idea, JJ? It's up to you about your level of investment. Ha! <laughs> um, I'm extremely emotionally invested. I'm not I'm not going to talk finance with you, but I uh, I'm extremely emotionally invested, and there's a reason that it took us so long in our process to find the right club because we knew once we found the right club, we were going to be all in. And we've been over here twice in the last month and a half, and we've really really enjoyed our time, and the people have been so welcoming and kind, and we're we're extremely grateful for that because I'm sure 
that they are a little skeptical and they are a little cynical about uh, us. And so all we want to do is try and prove to them and, and show them by our actions why we chose Burnley. Uh, I mean, we had the parade on Tuesday and seeing kids from, you know, age five and six all the way up to grownups at age 70, 80 and 90 singing the songs and saying the chants and following the bus throughout the whole town. That's what it's about. And we just we love that. And you mentioned about a second ago, another American at the top of the club, Alan Pace. What what kind of early relationship, JJ, have you built up with him? And what will the relationship be like going forward in your eyes? Yeah, Alan and I have a great relationship. He's a he's a brilliant man. You know, he came to this club and people were very, very skeptical of him. I mean, you, you look at the first year, obviously, being relegated. People got even more skeptical and more cynical. But all he has done is he's had a vision since the very beginning that he's wanted to execute. And if you look at this past season, what he's accomplished, uh, I think that everybody's starting to come around on Alan Pace. He's he's a brilliant man. Uh, he's kept Vincent here for five years. And I think Vincent signing that contract also shows how much he believes in Alan, how much he believes in this club and how much he believes in what we can accomplish here. And it also signifies to players all over Europe that Burnley's a place they should want to be as well. JJ, have you any idea why English football and more specifically the Premier League interests American investors so much? I think the big part of it is the history and the tradition. I mean, it's been around forever. It's the top league in the world. I mean, the Premier League is the number one league in the world. And then there's no doubt that promotion relegation plays a massive part. I mean, the highs are even higher and the lows are even lower. And that's as sports fans, you're adrenaline junkies. Everybody loves the adrenaline. And when you have a chance to literally get kicked out of the league, uh, that is the biggest adrenaline you can get in any sport. You mentioned that Vincent Company, he's done so much as a player. What do you think about the job he's done at Burnley and, and the fact that he's now committed himself to the club long term? Vincent is a, a brilliant, brilliant man. He obviously has an incredible pedigree as a player and everything he's accomplished on the pitch. But what he does off the pitch and in my conversations with him and in watching him interact with his players and seeing how much his players love him, it really is special to watch. And we're very lucky to have him at Burnley and we're very happy and thankful that he's signed on for five more years with us. Maybe Vincent could do himself a favour, JJ, by offering you a player contract. I mean, by the look of you, you could do a lot of damage at set pieces, mate. I could do a lot of damage, but I wouldn't have a lot of tactical skill or, or uh, stamina to stay. I, I don't like running, Jim. I'm not a big fan of running long distances. So football is a little bit out of it for me. But he, uh, we do talk a lot about things. It's, it's fascinating. We had a, a long, long meeting on Saturday. And talking with him about, you know, tactics and the way that he teaches things and zone versus defenses versus man defenses and set pieces and how he inspires and motivates his players and how they take care of their bodies. Those are the types of things that we can have conversations about because we both played at that top level. I think they love you already because you've gone out your way to show that you're immersing yourself in the place and the culture. That's important to you, isn't it? What do you know about the place already, JJ? It's extremely important to us because that's how you, you show them that you're going to try and do right by them. And the club's been around since 1882, long, long before I ever got here. And it's going to be around long, long after I'm ever gone. So it's just our place to steward it into a new generation and leave it in a better place than we found it. Um, so it is about learning the history. It is about learning the traditions. We're not going to get everything right. I say it all the time. You know, we're, we're never going to get it all right. Sometimes I'm going to slip up and I'm going to say soccer accidentally. My wife's a professional soccer player. That's going to happen. But that's I'm trying. And I'm, I, I just told a story recently. Uh, about watching the 1987 match against Orient, massive match in the club's history and trying to learn why that was so important and why it was so special for this town. Just really doing our research and trying to show these people we care. I see the cap you're wearing and I see the Burnley crest, but here's the thing. 
You're not a long-time Chelsea fan, so might you have split loyalties when the two play in the Premier League? No, I don't hide the fact that I was a Chelsea supporter. I came into the Premier League in like 2010, 2011 as a fan. And I was a big, big Drogba fan from his Ivory Coast days. And uh, so I followed along with Chelsea and I don't hide it. I know that people are going to bring it up. I'm sure people will send me photos of me holding up a Chelsea kit. They can also show photos of me holding up a Man City kit because Sergio Aguero is my friend or a Tottenham kit because Harry Kane is my friend. You know, like those things are going to be out there and that's fine. But the reality of the situation is, Burnley was the right club for us because there's an opportunity to come in and make a difference. And we can actually come in and help. Some of these massive clubs are worth, you know, five, six, seven billion pounds. There's, there's not, it's a, it's a large corporate machine. There's not a lot of opportunity to come in and actually help make a difference at Burnley. Uh, it's very much a family atmosphere and Alan and Vincent are building something special and we do have a chance to come in and help make a difference. JJ, you'll have seen already that it doesn't always work. A fellow American, Todd Bully, Big time involved with Chelsea now at the top of the house. And money doesn't always talk. They spent 600 million and, you know, where's it got them? He's had a tough time since he arrived in the scene. Yeah, we don't have 600 million. So we, we should be all right, Jim. <laughs> we're not going out and spending 600 million in the June, June, July transfer window. So we're going to find different ways to make it work. But but the honest truth is that it, it is about coming in and doing it right and doing right by your supporters and trying to do what you can to help the club. Now, that's one way you can say he's financially pouring a ton of money into the club. So that's his way of doing it. For my wife and I personally, I mean, we're obviously a minority investor. We're not a majority. So it's not like we're going out and we're the ones funding the transfers. But what we are doing is telling the Burnley fans stories and trying to make them feel seen on a global stage. Listen, you're very welcome here. And Burnley, very welcome newcomers to the Premier League. It's going to be a hell of a ride, isn't it? It's going to be a great ride. We're going to have a whole lot of fun, and it's going to be it's going to be fun. And that was JJ Watt, and he was off out of there after that. Simon, they they are coming more and more into the game here, are they not? Yeah. As 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 I said to him, and we 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 recounted some of the individuals who are here. Uh, Michael B. Jordan invested in Bournemouth. Ryan and Robert Wrexham, LeBron James at Liverpool. Now JJ Watt. He was quite coy about. Well, I'm not going. I'm not yeah. going to get into how much I've, yeah. I've put into the club, but it won't be inconsiderable, will it? Well, you'd wonder what it would be because ultimately the owners of Burnley have now got the ultimate prize, which is the business being back inside the Premier League. So you'd wonder why they'd want to be selling any equity at this moment in time. That's theirs. To, I mean, that's their decision-making process. It's no surprise that American sports stars are involved because why over here? Well, why? A, they've got a lot of money. B, a large proportion of football clubs are now owned by American owners. So when you've got that dynamic, they're already in one another's orbit. Mm. So they know one another. You've got LeBron James invested in Fenway because ultimately Fenway uh, have got businesses in America that will cross-fertilise when you've got the Boston Celtics or that, that sort of space where they're in. Sports in this country now is maturing. You've seen the American businesses, you know, have bought Chelsea for two and a half billion quid. It's a different industry now. And because sports stars now are really incredibly wealthy individuals, whether I think they merit it at times is a different discussion. The fact of the matter is... They've got a lot of disposable income and a lot of it will be looked at by people saying, where do we invest? And people that are sports stars will necessarily have a proclivity, possibly, to investing in sports. What's the next sports opportunity? English football. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back on Monday. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.